This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. everyone and welcome to the Young Lion Cast, your fortnightly audio source of all things New Japan Pro Wrestling right here on the Pod Mania Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Rob Good, and I'm joined as ever by Chris O'Brien. How are you, Chris? Still not digging the intro, to be honest. Really? Is it because it's not as musical as yours? I mean, like, we can all agree that my intro is the best. I mean, Garth at least agrees. But it's the only thing Garth likes about me. I think Garth's just a uh, glutton for punishment as opposed to anything. I mean, like, some of them are glorious, especially when... uh, I think, like, me and Garth together happens so infrequently that, like, he forgets that that's what I do. (laughs) It's your gimmick. So, like, he's always... Yeah, he's always, like, taken aback when I do it. Because, to be fair, some of them are great. Like, the one I did for Double or Nothing was amazing, I I feel. That's the only comment we got, and the YouTube video was great intro. Was that the uh, was that the Enzo and Cass one? No, that was for Wrestle Kingdom. It was the um, you know um, Glory Glory Brock Lesnar. I did that, but for Podmania. Ah, uh, nice. Yeah, I do remember that. I do remember that. I feel like maybe your talents are wasted. Maybe, just maybe, I'll let you do it. On. I mean, uh... like, I have one. Um, I've written around. Um, girl of a bad guys want called girl of a smart guy, smart marks want. <laughs> um, actually, speaking of bowling for soon, this is nothing to do with New Japan. This is just because I oh, have a I massive bowling. Alexa Bliss. Oh my god, I'm a huge <laughs> bowling for soup fan. Anyway, um, but when I saw that Alexa Bliss had put something on her Twitter saying thank you for making this happen, bowling for soup, I thought she got a podcast and was just interviewing bowling for soup. So I was like, I'll fucking get in. I'll listen to that on my way to work. No, 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 no. They've done a full-on song and released it about Alexa Bliss, and it's catchy as balls. It is catchy as fuck, but also not very good. That pretty much epitomises Bowling for Soup. Catchy as fuck, but, you know, eh. Yeah, you, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone without, go, without like, a million asterisks attached next to it. They're the only pop-punk band that could play Download Festival for so, so long, because no, everyone just had a pisser at them, because they're just hilarious people. They are amazing. Um, they also did the Phineas and Ferb song, which is my favourite song by them. Um, <laughs> yes, they did. Yes, they did. I, I got... Two years ago, so like I'm a Miles Kane fan. Like I don't look it, but I'm a massive indie guy. And... Um... <laughs> So I, he played a song called Cry on My Guitar when I was at Transfer. I'm like, oh, that's great. I can't wait for it to come out. The music video comes out and Finn Balor's in it. <laughs> really? Like, oh, Finn Balor's, yeah, Finn Balor's in it. And he's just, it's just, the whole video is him just beating the shit out of Miles Kane. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, it, it's what many, many people want in their lives, isn't it? Just to beat the shit out of Miles Kane. Is Miles Kane the I one know. who created the last Shadow Puppets with Alex Turner? Yes, yes. Right, okay. Um, I actually know more about The Last Shadow Puppets than I do about Miles Kane. Um, most people do. To be fair, he's also worked with Paul Waller. So, like... 
yeah, mediocrity continues there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Were you expecting more of a more of a reaction then from me, Paul Weller? <laughs> yeah, I keep forgetting. Like, I'm, I'm sure if we said it to Garth, he'd be like, "Oh, nice," because Garth never had an over a top reaction about anything. But <laughs> yeah, um, even his reaction to Edge returning live was like, "Huh?" No, literally, if you go back and watch, I watched long. He's like, oh, "Nice." <laughs> And like, I was there going, mate, this is like the 10th time I've watched this in the last 24 hours. Oh, that return. Um, oh, Christ. Because you were crying. Honestly, I was, oh, my God, this is this. I couldn't scream as much as I wanted to because obviously my girlfriend was in bed. But I was like, oh, my God, this is just, this is the moment. Because let me get this. Were you, is... trying to ex- were you trying to explain it to her the next day? And she was like, yeah, that's nice. Actually, I know I've, I've learned my lesson not to even try. Um, what's the fucking point what do you mean he wears makeup have you you revealed um, the fact that um, you watched Stardom to your girlfriend yet I think whenever I it's got to a point now where if I sort of squirrel myself away somewhere um, my girlfriend knows full well that I am not watching porn I am just watching wrestling and I'm a little bit too ashamed to do it in front of her and she's okay with that and it's a nice bedrock of our relationship. To be fair, I always try to get if I'm dating someone, I always try. I'm, I always try the waters to see if they'll get into wrestling, and then they're like, "Nah, this isn't fun for me." I'm like, "Cool, we'll just turn it off and watch something else." Yeah, uh, I think that's the best way to do it. You can't force someone into wrestling. It's like, can you just try it for me? And then if you don't like it, I'll never bring it up again. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever do that with my girlfriend. Um, she did watch. Um, she well, I say she watched. She came in briefly. Um, during um, when did Zack Sabre Jr. versus Evil happen? Um, well, the first time. Last year at New Beginning. Yes. Um, so almost a year ago to the day, she walked into, what we've got a little garden room, which is all wired up, and I was watching the wrestling in there. And she came in, and it was just as Evil came out. And I don't know if you've ever tried to explain to a girl what wrestling's like as Poundland Undertaker is making his way to the ring. Um but she watched about 10 minutes of the match and all I could get out of her was, was ah, Zack Sabre Jr. is quite fit. And then she walked off and we've never spoken of it since. Yeah, I kind of have the same thing. My ex had a had a fashion Finn Balor. That's because Finn like, Balor is an absolutely a... beautiful man. Yeah, he is. I'm like, I was sitting there going, can you at least have a crush on someone who looks remotely like me? Like, can't you fancy Wolfgang or something? <laughs> Killian Dane. <laughs> yeah. No, so literally, I had someone walk up to me at a WWE live event and go, you look like Killian Dane. I'm like, not that fucking fat. <laughs> I feel like we have talked about too much WWE already on this episode of the yeah, Young Lioncast. Like, people have turned off. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who've, st- who've uh, stuck with us, thank you, we appreciate it. Um, on the agenda today then, uh, as we are recording, it is the 8th of February. I know that we said that we were going to record this on Wednesday. Unfortunately, I had other commitments that I couldn't get out of. Um, so we're recording it today. And you can use this as a preview to tomorrow's Osaka show. Um, but today... We are going to review the two nights in Sapporo. We've also got a couple of things to talk about regarding Lance Archer and regarding the new beginning in the US shows. Um, We've got quite a lot to talk about, Chris, so shall we just dive straight in? 
I'm not happy about one of the things you have to talk about. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no, and I know exactly what it is, but we'll we'll save that for a moment. Um, we'll talk briefly. We'll start with Lance Archer. Um, it's become pretty common knowledge that AEW are attempting to sign Lance Archer to an exclusive contract. Um, Lance Archer on the second of February posted a cryptic picture on his Twitter account of a forked road and just a question mark. So. Whether we see Lance Archer in AEW or whether he's using this as leverage to get a New Japan contract full stop, which he still doesn't have despite having been the United States champion, um, I don't know. It remains to be seen. But Chris, what's your take on this? Um, I'm not massive on people from New Japan signing with AEW just because I don't watch AEW, so I'll never see them again, which is a real shame. But also, I want, kind of want Lance to do what's best for him. But like in terms of who needs what, um, New Japan need a giant more than AEW does. And also, AEW is signing too many people. Like They already have a really full roster to the point where they can't showcase everyone they want to. So we kind of, I've been saying this since the fucking beginning of AEW. We need to stop signing people and just focus on the roster they have. No, I agree with you in some cases. Um... However, you are trying to create a buzz around your product, and one way to create a buzz around your product is to sign new people. Well, Lance Archer, I don't think if Lance Archer were to sign with AEW, he wouldn't be pushing for their heavyweight championship. Um, I don't think he would ever be classed as that sort of talent. Um, but then again, you can argue in New Japan, he's never going to touch the top titles there either. So, you know, you can see sort of what people are saying. I think the main thing for me regarding Lance's. Lance is not getting any younger. Lance is 40. Um, He's had a breakout year this year, an absolutely outstanding year, an outstanding G1, um, really, really good run with the United States Championship. But he's 41. He's not signed to a New Japan deal at all, which means that he's flying to and from Texas, basically on a paper performance. It's not ideal. So you can, you know, AW's on national television every week. You get to sleep in your own bed every week. You haven't got to dip, put up with the jet lag and everything of a Japan, the Japan grueling tours. You know, you're wrestling once a week and you're getting, you know, relatively good money. So I don't want to see Lance go. I think Lance has got a lot to offer New Japan. Whether New Japan think this is a a big loss for them, I don't know. Um I think it would be. I think he would be in this year's G1 Climax. I think he would have a really good New Japan Cup. Whether he gets whether he gets a deal like Moxley or Jericho where they can do New Japan shows as long as it doesn't clash with the AEW schedule, I don't know. Um, I think that will probably be the best of both worlds for Lance. Um, it's just a shame that even after holding a championship, he does not have a New Japan contract. And I know that's the same for Tangaloa as well who, despite being a six-time yeah. tag team champion and having wrestled for the company since 2014? 16. It's 16. It's right after it's after Anderson and Gallows left. Of course. He came two, in. Yeah, of course. 2016. So having wrestled for them for, you know, four years now, he still doesn't have a contract. And I just found that baffling. I, I just don't understand how that works. New Japan will recover from any, I think, they've shown again and again that they will recover from people leaving. 
Um, it's it's just a shame. It it is just a shame for me. Honestly, without you, I it probably is best for him money wise to like go to AEW and start saving because like realistically, he has another five years in the business. Ten if he starts stops taking crazy bumps around people. But honestly, like again, I think he brings more to New Japan than he does to AEW. So like on a selfish level, I'm really really want to stay with New Japan because. Again, AEW don't need a, gi- a giant or a monster. We have enough of them. Like, we have Butcher and Blade, and there's more about don't watch the product, so it doesn't immediately come to me. <laughs> um, yeah, I just don't want to see New Japan waste another talent. I just... I, I feel like he's had a great year this year, and, you know, look at that G1 card in Dallas. From what I've heard from other podcasts, I mean, the Super J-Cast have gone on on lengthy, lengthy sort of rants about how the only publicity around Dallas regarding the G1 show was Lance Archer, who, unless I'm very much mistaken, wasn't even on the fucking show. Or was he? In- no, he was on the show, wasn't he? Um, he beats- yeah, he faced Osprey. He beats Osprey, yeah. Um, he was going out match. canvassing around the area. I know, you said this around the time. And it's just like, like you were saying this around the time as a reason for why um, he should be in the G one. And at the time, I did I was just annoyed that Suzuki never made it in, but then he had a great G one. So. Mm. The power of hindsight. We'll yeah. have more on this as the story develops. As of yet, that's all we know. Um, it will be interesting, especially with the imminent arrival of Luke Harper in AEW, who you know is a very similar wrestler to Lance Archer, and then you put him alongside Wardlow, who's a very similar wrestler. Um, it's going to be, you know, you don't want too many months. And you're right, aside from Farley, really, who have you got in New Japan who can really classify as a monster? You have Cobb once every few does. Well, yeah. Um, speaking of they Jeff really Cobb... really fucked up by letting Elgin go, but also, I guess you can't. I guess he. I understand why we didn't keep him, but also Elgin kills it everywhere he goes, so it's a bit of a shame to let him go. Yeah, um, there's a pro wrestling magazine in Japan, which apparently is a very big pro wrestling magazine in Japan, a weekly magazine, and they've put out their match of the year, and Elgin is in two of them, so sort of goes yeah. to show. Anyway, speaking of Jeff Cobb, as we were earlier, that brings me to the new beginning in the US shows. Now, before Chris goes off on his massive rant, which I know he's going to do, and don't worry, Chris, I'll set you up for that rant. Trust me. Um, I want to sort of give you a little bit of a rundown because we didn't watch the shows. Um, I know that some of the matches have been I've uploaded watched, to I've World. I've watched a match. Um, I've watched some of the matches. What is your take what is your take on the quality and the setup and the sort of the the quality of the thing? Um, the setup was really weird. Like they did not do a good job at hiding how small an amount of people were there. And if it was a large crowd, they were not showing that well. There was a fair few empty seats, especially in the balcony from what I've seen. Um, the set was basic, but the camera work was dodgy. Like it, despite the fact that we were using actual. It looked like it was filmed on a phone. I don't know how much about to do is the lighting or whatever, but yeah, it just looked bad. It looked like a poorly filmed indie show. I've seen indie shows um, better filmed than this, so like, I really don't get how the quality works here. Um, like it, an aesthetic that could work if it was shot well. And in terms of like the quality, from what I've heard, the people in attendance enjoyed it. Which if this is just meant to be like a touring brand, is fair enough. But at the same time. 
the only news coming out of this is bad news. So, Well, you alluded to the attendances. Now, I just want to run through some of these for you. Um, the New Japan New Beginning in USA attendances so far. These were Tampa, in which there was 863 people. Durham, 637. Nashville, 560. And Florida, 525. And you might think, well, they did say they were going to do smaller venues. But if I can give you sort of a little bit of clarity on that. Um, Tampa was 863 people, which is roughly 45% of capacity. Um, Durham, 637 people, which was 50% of the total. Um, Nashville, 560, which is about 75%. And Florida, which was 525, was roughly 30%. So in some of these buildings, they aren't even half filling them. Now, if you compare this with Atlanta, which was their bigger show, the biggest show that they were building to on this tour, they were hoping for roughly 1,200 people. They ended up with 855. Now, the this is alarming, quite frankly, um, because you are aiming for smaller venues, hoping to fill these smaller venues. Now, me and you, Chris, on this very podcast have spoken about the way that New Japan do their business, the way they announce cards, you know, really, really close to the date, and just hoping that people will sign tickets on the New Japan brand alone is not good enough. It will not fly in America. I mean, no, look it's not at... like it's not it's not like WWE. It's not like a WWE or um, anything like that. Where it's not only an established band within America. For like for the most part, New Japan have done spot shows and then have like had one or two tours. Um, so, uh, beyond those spot shows, and those tours never do especially good either. And they were running big ven- bigger venues then, so it was sort of a there was a reason for the tours not doing good. Like, they were really ambitious. But here, we'll be playing it really, really safe. They're not drawing. And, like, honestly, part of that is, is to do with, like, what your tour is head, not headlined by any single championship. It's all headlined by a... Um, it's all headlined by the tag title belt, which could draw. Because, like, G.O.D. are really popular among West, a lot of Western fans. Like, people... The, like, we'll get into this when we talk about the match, match for what we're going to talk about, but, like, people defend G.O.D. to the hills. So, in reality, they're popular, but, like, yeah, it's just, it was never going to draw. It was never going to draw well, because, like, this year, yeah, yeah, you had more Japanese stars, but they still look, and to be fair, with, even with the commentators, we have a Colt Cabana on commentary. So, it, they felt like Ring of Honor shows. Two things that I wanted to say, actually following on from what you've just said, on Twitter, the main feedback was the most entertaining. I mean, everyone had fun. That's that's important to note. Everyone had fun. But the most entertaining was Colt Cabana and Tori Yano. Now, if you're bringing over the New Japan brand and all you're getting is Colt Cabana and Tori Yano, and I know that Kota Ibushi should have been on these cards, and I know Kota Ibushi went down with influenza and couldn't take part, that's fine. You can't do anything about that. You've got to book around that. That's absolutely fine. But the only really, really big New Japan star that was on these cards was Hiroshi Tanahashi. Now, all those, yeah. all of those amazing little angles that they set up at New Year's Dash, which me and you raved about, not one of these, not one of these feuds made it onto the US shows. Not one. Everything set up the New Beginning shows in Japan. 
Now, for me, this is the inherent mm. issue that New Japan are going to have in running tours at the same time. Because how on earth are you supposed to have Okada, for example, do two completely different tours at the same time? It's just not going to happen. And like you said, not one singles championship. There have been five dates on this US tour. One title defense. And that was the tag belts in the main event of Atlanta. Are you telling me that a juicy, sexy match is a tag title defense with G.O.D., who, despite, like you say, their real popularity, and yeah, they're great, Tamatonga, fantastic, but they are not a main event talent. And Juice Robinson and David Finley, who, by the way, it was David Finley's home, um, sort of home arena, that, I just, I don't see that at all. You've got no, you've got no U.S. title defense. Why on earth is the U.S. title defense? What, I, I still don't understand why Moxley got the belt. Some, it's because it's not, yeah, no, exactly. It's because it's on Moxley, which again is going to lead. It's leading to Moxley versus Suzuki, which I'm excited about. But like in terms of what the U.S. belt is for, like you could have put the Never belt on Moxley or something. Like there's other ways to get Moxley. There's other paths to get to Moxley versus Suzuki, which shouldn't. Um, compromise your US brand. Like, and to be fair, this I said at the time, this US brand, and I think after seeing this, it sort of confirms it is a bit too late. Like, because a lot of American, like a lot of American people, I think they tune into New Japan because it's not WWE, and now those fans have AEW because all those big draws they were initially coming over with, like the Bucks and Kenny and Cody, they're AEW now. So. Yeah, and I think the elite leaving certainly through a spanner in the US expansion works. But that aside, there is still so much more that you can do here. Chris, honestly, me and you watch the product religiously. Have you seen one single advert for this tour? No, like they bring it up. Like, oh, this could be settled in America or whatever. But like. No, Kevin this, Kelly like brings it last... up, Chris. That's it. Kevin oh, Kelly no, exactly. brings it up. I'm at... Um, for the most part, like America, the, the last few American tours have felt like afterthoughts. Like that last um, West Coast tour with like the California stops, like I didn't even remember they were happening. Like I only remembered they were happening when you brought it up on the podcast. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's I've seen nothing on Twitter until they were happening. I've seen, I still cannot believe that you set up that many feuds at New Year's Dash, and not one of them made them to one like, of these shows. Same thing happened last year, but the difference was there was a reason that there was a re like Ishii versus Nagata was set up, and the reason that didn't happen on the USA tours was because they couldn't get visas. There was at least a reason this year. They don't have that reason. They had the capability to bring people over and didn't. So, if we look at their big show, then. The New Beginning USA in Atlanta, the show that they were hanging their hat on as being the big one of this tour, 855 people. The This was the final card. So you opened with Yuji Nagata and Satoshi Kojima defeating the team of Alex Coughlin and Ren Narita. Second match is a singles match, Yoshihashi versus Mysterioso, with Yoshihashi taking the victory. Third match, Colt Cabana and Toriyano defeating Jado and Yujiro Takahashi. Fourth match, Rocky Romero losing to Chase Owens. Fifth match, six-man tag match with the team of Robert Gibson, Ricky Morton, the Rock and Roll Express, and Roshi Tanahashi defeating the team of Clark Connors, Alex Zane, and TJP. By the way, Clark Connors and Young Lion is in the fifth match on this card. Just 
bear that in mind for a second. The sixth match, you've got Jeff Cobb and Lance Archer, with Jeff Cobb defeating Lance Archer in 17 minutes, which, you know, that's the only match so far that I've thought, yeah, all right, decent. And then the match that I know you want to talk about and we'll talk about now, the seventh match, the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship with David Finlay and Juice Robinson versus the Gorillas of Destiny. Chris, that's not... That's... That's not a good card. That's that's a that's a match for headlines a road to show, not a match for headlines at all. That's that is a yeah, you're absolutely spot on. That is a road to show. I mean, you are looking yeah, to like, break the US market from the Tokyo Dome. Exactly, it's choice of rematch from the Tokyo Dome, but like it's a rematch from undercard match of the Tokyo Dome. It's like having it headlined by um, Fale, Chase Owens. Yujiro and Kenta versus Ishigoto um, and whoever the fuck else was in that match, you know what I mean? Jardo was in a match. I'm sorry, but Jardo shouldn't be wrestling anymore. Like, I'm a better wrestler than Jardo in 2020. <laughs> Do you know what? Usually I go, Chris, don't be stupid, but genuinely, I, I think you might be right. <laughs> That's absolutely ridiculous. No, exactly. like, give me a week of young... Give any... I give any of it, well, especially Rob, because he's he actually looks after his body sometimes. But um, <laughs> give any of us a week of young line training, and <laughs> give any of us a week of young line training, and we could probably do a better job than fucking Jado. Now, I will point out that Jado, I know he was great in his day, and him and Gator was a tag team, fantastic. Oh, yeah. But Jado is like forty five now, so yeah, but... <sighs> is he only forty five? I thought he was like sixty. Oh no, I've just made that age up. He might not be. He he's might 51. be. He's 51, he's, right, okay. He's 51. Um, can you just look up Lance Archer's age? Because I said he was 41, and I think he might actually be older than that. Um, I'm going to check how old Archer is. Archer is 42. 42, okay, I was more or less right then. Right, Chris. Can I, can I talk about this main event? Now? Yeah, I was just going to say... Right, this is the worst... This is the worst New Japan title main event I've ever seen. Like, I've seen worse matches because I've sat through G1, but I had 10 down in it, and I've seen worse main events because I've seen main events with Nakanishi in a, ta- in a tag match. But, Jesus fucking Christ, there was such an absence of good things in this match. Like, Juice Robinson's babyface fire does not work in America because America seems to have this weird thing about Juice Robinson being a bad wrestler. People call him David Finley not special. He is special. He's had great matches like JY and even Archer in America last year. But people ignore that because he's not in Bullet Club or something. And then, like, you have the good of the Destiny, who their gimmick was fine a year and a half ago, but I'm so fucking sick of them. Like, I looked this up, Rob. Um, the IWGP Tag Team Championship, right, was defended roughly nine times last year. I'm getting the chat up right now. Um, how many times? Ta- times the, does it did it involve Gorilla's Destiny and did a match involve Gorilla's Destiny or Evil and Snada out of um ten matches? Uh all of them. Uh not all of them. There was one, two, three, four, four four out of ten. So like a much higher percentage. The rest of them are like thrown together tag teams like fucking Deuce Robinson and Mikey Nichols. Or, like, the best match on there is the match with Bozzy Open. And, like, I'm not being funny, but that got 12 minutes. So, like, that shouldn't be the best match on there. And that was a great match. It actually didn't get enough time, weirdly. That was awesome. 
It did not get half. Um, it didn't get half the time it needed. But yeah, like there's suffocate. I say this a lot about a lot of people, but like with of Destiny, considering how we've been in the tag title scene for like four years now, it's they're suffocating the fucking title. And like Rob, you've you've what you've been watching New Japan for like most of um, for, you've only missed like a year of God's run. Can you name? One great G.O.D. match that doesn't involve the Young Bucks or Aussie Open. Um, no, I, re- I really can't. That's not me shitting on G.O.D. No. It, you're absolutely right, Chris. This is me shitting on G.O.D. <laughs> I know, but you're absolutely right, mate. I mean, and like, <sighs> wait. go on. Just and, and this match was just so paint by numbers. It hurt, and like, I gave it a low score just because. The wrong, like if it, if the if Finjuice one, I'd give it a five. But like God having the titles back is not good for this division. I don't care if you're going. Oh, we need heels to take on fucking Tanahashi and Kota. We don't because the a, a face versus face match can work. Like the only good thing about God is their theme. Because <laughs> to be fair, their theme is absolute fire. The entire problem that we have had with the tag team division is summed up with the result of this match. Yeah. Gado, great as he is as a booker, great as he is at booking that heavyweight division, and great in fairness as he's been in tag... I don't get how he can't put tag team. No, it's a tag team wrestler. I know, exactly. I do not, I've never understood how... how Because, to be fair, this tag division has been... Or, goes through spells of being all right. Like, remember 2018, the Bucks versus Evil and Sonata feud? Those matches were great. Those matches were fucking amazing. There was no storyline, though. Mostly because, like, the, um, there, was, there was no real storyline apart from the Bucks being injured, like, the Bucks sold, which is the only ever seen to do against either the Golden Lovers or um, LAX, but... <laughs> <sighs> I don't know, man. This, this decision baffles me because at Wrestle Kingdom we seem to be going in a fresh new direction New Year's Dash we set up David Finlay and Juice Robinson against Kotobushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi and to then put G.O.D. back in that match and then have them win it again makes no sense we've seen every plausible tag team defense with G.O.D. in it why on earth would you put it back on them I know that they are the only recognizable tag team now the only recognized tag team which is depressing apart from you know you tenkoji for example who aren't going to be tag team champions and finley and robinson now but I, I do not understand where you go from here even if tanahashi and kotrabushi take it off them i, I just i don't understand I, why I see people talking like um tanahashi Hello? I see people talking like Tanahashi and... Uh, hello. Sorry. It's right. Um, I see people like Tan... T- I see people talking like Tanahashi and Abushi are going to save this division, but like just them winning it isn't going to save this division because then they're just going to be feuding with G.O.D. for the next fucking year. There's no teams to have a feud with. No, exactly. And like after New, new Year's Dash, we thought we saw three new teams created in Tanahashi and Abushi. 
um, Shingo and Evo and Ishii and Goto, all of which are really exciting because New Japan's booking around um, tag around tag team wrestling to to hype up singles events should realistically lead to an emphasis on the tag team division. I mean, like, um, basically, look at 